Welcome to Process to Profitability, a podcast all about the tools and strategies you need to serve your clients and grow your small business, hosted by me, Samantha Mabe of Lemon in the Sea. Join me as I chat with creative entrepreneurs and small business owners about how they built and grew their businesses and how you can do the same in a way that fits you. Let's get started. You're listening to episode 67 of Process to Profitability. Today I'm talking with Cher Hale and we are talking all about pitching yourself. So we cover topics like why it's important for entrepreneurs to pitch themselves, what types of opportunities are available for you, and how you can create a pitching process of your own. Cher also talks about what makes a good pitch and how she does research ahead of time to make sure that whatever outfit you are pitching is a good fit. And then we talk about following up and I give some of my own examples of pitches that I have received and follow-ups so that you can hear from a podcast host what that feels like. We also talk about what happens if you get a no or a yes after you pitch and how you can continue that relationship in a positive way. Cher Hale is a publicist who helps authors, activists, and artists tug at more heartstrings and get more eyeballs on their work. She specializes in writing cold but heartfelt pitches and has landed interviews on outlets like The Unmistakable Creative, Goop, and NBC. When she's not writing emails, you can find her re-watching Remember the Titans, playing with her cat Totoro, or hiking somewhere in the PNW. Hi, Cher. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Samantha. I read your bio at the top of the show, but why don't you just give us a little bit more information about who you are, where you're from, and what you do. So I live in the Pacific Northwest in Washington, which is my favorite place in the world. Uh, It's full of green and hiking and all the things that I would want in one place. (laughs) And uh, I run two businesses. So primarily I'm a publicist for entrepreneurs who want to get more eyeballs on their work and took up more heartstrings. And then on the other hand, in the last expected spectrum of my life, I also teach Italian online. I have an Italian blog and I run immersion retreats in Tuscany twice a year for people who are obsessed with Italian. That's awesome. Let's start with the publicist side. How did you get started doing that? Yeah, so I had a women's studies professor. Her name was Alexia Vernon and she was part-time faculty and part-time career coach at the beginning of her coaching business. And she was looking for interns at the end of her semester to help her launched this book she'd just written. And I applied and was accepted. And she taught me the basics of PR. So to get her book in front of the right people, we pitch outlets like NBC, CNN, all of the local Las Vegas outlets where I used to live. And I just learned all of the basics about how to pitch somebody, how to craft a compelling message, how to follow up, how to cold call, all things that I was absolutely terrified of. <laughs> and then just saw a lot of success with people saying yes again and again and again and thought, oh my gosh, like we can use our voices and I can use my writing skills to like get people's messages and to get my own message in front of the right audiences and really like potentially impact more people and also spread that message to a wider reach. I thought it was just the coolest thing that you could just ask for what you want, <laughs> essentially, and have such incredible um credibility and results because of that. Awesome. So how did you get started with the Italian business and the retreats that you run? So I ended that internship and then went to Italy to study abroad. And around that same time, I cold emailed a woman called Natalie Sisson. She's run this suitcase entrepreneur business Mm -hmm. for several years. Uh, And I cold emailed her and I said, look, it sounds like you need help. And I think I can help you. (laughs) And we had a a call uh, and she said yes, almost automatically. 
And I did an internship for, with her for six months. And then I worked with her like on her staff for about a year and a half. And Lish learned all things online marketing from her. She's brilliant. And while I was in Italy, I thought, you know, I really want to start my own business just to like put all that I'm learning into like kind of like a playground to experiment with all these like new concepts. And, you know, I, I want to learn Italian. So like, what if I create a website where I keep track of my own Italian studies to stay accountable and then share with everyone else with the intention of creating an online business? Uh, and that was about six years ago. And ever since then, I've been building that audience. And only recently, about a year and a half, we've offered the retreats. Um, and luckily, I have a co-director in Florence, and she knows everybody and everything about Italy. <laughs> so it was very easy for her to create the program for the week and for me to bring the people to the retreat. Yeah, that's awesome. And I love that you started this kind of with the intention of it being a business, but it's been a pretty long road. It's not like you jumped in that first year and had a retreat. You had to take time to build up your audience and sort of figure out what you were trying to do. Oh, absolutely. It's funny. I joke about it all the time that I used to think that it was going to be like a mnemonic device website where I would drop pictures and like have people like learn the vocabulary. But I'm a terrible artist. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> so I was like... <laughs> There were a lot of pivots. I also thought that the audience was just going to be like 20-year-olds who wanted to go to Italy, but it's everyone who's retired in my audience. <laughs> and the, and I, was just, I was just wrong on so many counts. It was a lot of pivoting um, and a lot of learning from my own mistakes. All right. So you now help entrepreneurs kind of pitch themselves specifically to podcasts. So how did you hone in on that as what you wanted to do and how you could best help people? Right. So... Maggie Patterson, who runs Scoop Studios, I met her through Natalie Sisson actually several years ago, and she had emailed me probably a year and a half ago and was like, hey, Cher, I know you pitch people for like sponsorships and things like that, like with Natalie. Have you ever considered pitching for podcasts? And back then I was like, no, not interested. <laughs> I don't even know how I would do that. And kind of let it simmer for a while. I remember, I forget what exactly happened, but Somewhere along the way, I was like, you know what? I kind of want to explore like what it would look like to do more of a PR service because I was just doing online marketing for a while. I had like a marketing agency. And for one of my clients, I told her like, hey, would you mind if I just like used you as an experiment to, to pitch these podcasts? She said yes. I tried it with her and then launched like kind of like a quick money service, honestly, called Pitch For Me Please. And I would pitch 10 podcasts for entrepreneurs every month for a set retainer rate. and um, I was going to do it for like two months or three months only for four entrepreneurs. And the way that it kind of evolved is that it's become my entire business model now. <laughs> and I don't know what happened, but it kind of along the way too, I, I realized that marketing full time just isn't my jam. It's just not where I shine. And so I was able to transition all, almost all of my clients into PR clients instead. And they're all very happy with where we're at. Uh, and just have seen so much more success with this model than ever before, where I thought that the foundations of marketing would help them build their audiences, which is in some senses true. Um, I find that I'm much more successful helping them build their audiences with this specific blend of PR. Yeah. I think podcasts have grown so much and everyone I talk to, at least on the business side, listens to a lot of them. And so it's a great way to get in front of new audiences and share your expertise at the same time. So it's not just about having people know your name, but they actually know what you do and the specific skills that you bring to the table. Yeah. And there's so much power in hearing someone's voice, just like hearing the inflections, like you get to know their personality, having a more long form interview where you can hear their stories and engage with them more. It just creates such a level 
um, a new depth of trust, I think, without ever having to meet that person face to face. Yeah. So why do you have creative entrepreneurs, why is it important for them to learn how to pitch themselves, whether it's to podcasts or blogs or whatever it is that they want to sort of be featured on? Why is learning how to pitch important? This is such a big question. Um, <laughs> I think that once you have those kind of fundamental marketing foundations in place, like, you know, you have your opt-in, you have all of those that your list set up and, and you can start, you have a message that's cohesive and compelling that learning how to pitch yourself is the number one way to make the impact that you want to make as a creative entrepreneur. So I know that many of us aren't just in this for the money. The money is important, absolutely. But a lot of us are more heart-centered and we want to see people's lives change. We want to be transformational. And so I think that pitching is the way that, it's, like, it's the connection point. It's the bridge between I have a thing to offer and there are people who don't know me who need it and I want to offer it to them. I mean, that's, it's a, that skill of pitching is going to come into use, whether it's publicity um, or marketing or even proposals with potential clients. And I think that we pitch every day in different ways and, and to hone that skill just, it makes business so much more fun and it makes life so much easier. Yeah. And we do. I like that you bring up, even when we send proposals to clients, like that is still pitching. We're still selling ourselves to them. It's a little bit different because we're not going on a podcast interview necessarily, but we have to sell our services and the value that we can bring just like we would if we wanted to be interviewed on a podcast or featured somewhere because we have to show that we can bring value to the people that we want to you know, work with. Exactly. So what types of opportunities are available for business owners to share their expertise? I think, I mean, we can go traditional. So there's the podcast route, right? Which is what we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. um, there's like the guest blogging trend that was really big from like, what, 2012, 2016, yeah. <laughs> these years. Um, but it's still relevant and there are still lots of outlets where you can contribute and get credibility. It's just, I find that there's less engagement from guest posts these days. Yeah. Uh, and then there's being quoted as an expert. So for example, if your audience reads Refinery29 or Bustle or Hello Giggles, getting some of the writers there and saying like, hey, if you have any pieces about these three topics of my expertise, I'd be happy to like lend a quote or contribute or help in any way that I can to help you finish your piece. I mean, that's a really great way to get credibility without having to do a lot of work in terms of like doing a long form interview on a podcast or writing like a 700 word guest post. Um, and I find that those tend to offer more credibility as well. Just being able to put that stamp of like bustle on your front page, whether it was in 2012 or whether it's this year, the credibility stays the same. So that's a really great way. Yeah. And even if they're quoting you, they're probably linking back to your website. You're getting the good expertise building and people know that other people trust you, especially exactly. on those big sites. Mm -hmm. It's so, it's such a, like a, a stamp of approval to be like, they trusted me enough, I know enough, quote unquote, to be featured on this website. Um, and it just really, it really does show a lot of clout. And I think that the other cool ways that you can get, you can show your expertise is to like actually go in person and be on stage and then get in front of associations. These are all part of PR too, is just connect to the right events, the right organizations, so you can get in front of people um, and make an impact that way. And you know, I'm sure you experienced this before, in-person tends to convert higher just because people can see you and feel you and you're real. Yeah. And the in-person stuff, there's a lot of opportunities. Like, I think a lot of 
our businesses, we look at those big conferences that people are speaking at, but there are other opportunities. I was just at Tuesdays Together and we had someone come and speak on our topic for just half an hour, but Mm -hmm. she's still getting in front of people who then, you know, can refer her or will come back to her to ask more questions. And she's establishing that she knows these things in a smaller setting. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I had a a client who is a creativity coach, hypnotherapist, uh, and she went to speak to SAG, the Actors Guild, and got, I think, like 40 client like inquiry calls for signups just from this one free talk that she did for like 45 minutes. There's a huge return on investment, whether it's paid or not. Part of what it takes to run a successful online business is having the right tools for the job. I'm sharing a list of all of the tools I use in my business in my toolbox. And you can find that at lemonandthesea.com slash my dash toolbox to download it now. These include tools that I use for podcasting, designing, running my business, and other things. So you can get a real inside look at everything that I use every day in order to serve my clients well and grow my business. Again, you can find that at lemonandthesea.com slash my dash toolbox. So we know pitching is important. We know that getting our expertise out there is something that's really going to help us grow our business and just help put us top of mind and let people trust us more. So can you give us an outline of your pitching process and sort of how listeners can create their own that fits them? Right. So this is going to look a little different based on the type of business that you have and also what your end goals are. Because my pitching process I would always say, ask yourself first, what are my end goals? Some people, they want to fill uh, spots in their upcoming digital course, or they want to sell their, their new book. Um, some people just want to get like one-on-one clients, private clients. And then some want to like increase listenership to their podcast or increase uh, traffic to their blog. So it really is begin with the end in mind. And that way you can tailor the whole experience to like achieving those goals. And then once you have that, I would say, okay, look at your industry. What's currently happening in that industry? Um, what are the trends? What are people mad about? What are you mad about? <laughs> like, what are you really passionate about? Like, what gets your blood going? And kind of evaluate who is in that space right now, who are, who's already seen as the industry experts. And then just keep it really simple. I would say, look at who people look up to in your specific niche. So, you know, if it was business coaching, it might be Rachel Cook or like a Kim or Luna. And kind of start looking at where they've been featured what podcasts they've been on, and then just do your own research about what podcasts or outlets you'd like to feature them, and kind of make your wish list. I call it like a, your podcast wish list or your hit list. And I would say, depending on what your goals are, you'll want to choose an appropriate amount of outlets. So let's say you want to get you want to get featured on twenty shows for podcasts. I would say you you want to pitch sixty different different shows to hit your goal which sounds like a lot of pitching. And I got to tell you, I'm not going to lie, it's a lot of pitching. (laughs) But if you really want to hit that goal of 20 shows, I would always say triple or quadruple the amount of people that you're pitching. Because otherwise, PR really is a long game. So the more that you do upfront, the longer, the more return you'll see over the long term. So that sounds like some of that is just building relationships. So much of it is building relationships. I really think PR is all about connections. Um, and like I always say, when you start pitching people, I mean, a lot of people have hesitations pitching influencers because they don't want to ruin a relationship before it starts. There's a lot of hesitation around like saying the wrong thing or like hearing a no, and then you think that the door is closed forever for a relationship. 
but really if you have an outlet that your audience would love and that their audience would love you and benefit from your, your expertise and the message you have to deliver to the audience is aligned and it's going to have to help the host. It's going to make the host job easier. There is no reason not to pitch yourself and to make that introduction. Cause even if you hear no, you can come back in, I would say two months, one month, even if you have a better idea, better angle and say, Hey, I know you were no for this first thing. I, saw your post on Instagram about your t- this topic and I feel like I could contribute in these ways. Mm-hmm. Would you be interested? And you might hear no again. <laughs> it doesn't mean you can, that you have to stop trying. I really do think that persistence plus politeness really makes a, a good blend for um, a pitching process. Yeah. So do you recommend, like what kind of research should somebody do before they pitch a podcast that they want to be on? Because if they have a wish list, you know, they kind of know that it hopefully aligns with what they want to do and the type of guests that somebody takes, but what other things do they need to know before they can send something that's going to actually resonate with the host? Such a good question. I think first for the sake of time to always go to the contact page immediately or the podcast page and check to make sure that they are indeed accepting guests (laughs) because I've written one too many pitch where I finish it, go to the comic page and I'm like, oh my goodness, like they are accepting pitches for the rest of this year. So I've just wasted my time. <laughs> um, so I would say check first to make sure they're accepting pitches. A lot of people these days, I would say about 30% of hosts have submission forms. So you want to make sure that if they have a submission form that you're using it so you can respect their process for accepting guests. Um, so those are the two kind of admin things first, looking for forms and then making sure that they are accepting guests. And then I would say start looking through on your podcast app who they interviewed recently and just begin listening to a show that piques your interest. You never want to listen to a show just because you think it might be aligned. Always choose one that you're like genuinely interested in because if the enthusiasm really does show through, especially when you're pitching yourself. So listen to the show and I would say take notes. Like when you hear something that might be aligned to what you do or might connect to a story that you have, make that note. So at the end of the episode, you can look through the notes that you have and craft a really meaningful uh, pitch that honors the interview and honors the interviewee. And then I would say too, just as like a productivity tip, I listen to all my podcasts on one and a half or two times speed. And that really helps move things along. Yes, I've started doing that and it makes a big difference. Right. And then I would say too, um, if you want to look at the host's Instagram, feedback, that sometimes helps too, just to create another sense of like, this is a person. Um, with like other interests and maybe you might see a friend that you that you have on the podcast who's been on the show before and that can make a nice like connection point too so just if I would say those three things is just listen to the show look for connection points to your own expertise and your stories and then look for connections to people in your network okay so what other than like doing this research ahead of time what makes a good pitch when you're sitting down to write something how can we do that successfully mm. This is like the age-old question, right? <laughs> Where it's like, how do we pitch each other? It's so I, hard. You want to really remember that when you pitch somebody, not only are you spending your time crafting the pitch, but they're also spending time considering your pitch. It's really taking that energy exchange into account and knowing that before you write this pitch, that whatever you, you have to say needs to be aligned with what the host, what you think the host might want. You can't always be right. You can't always be super accurate because you don't know what, what they may be planning in the future without asking first. So I would just say make sure that it's aligned as possible, that it makes complete sense. 
if it doesn't make sense, I would say don't pitch at all. Instead, write a connection email and say, hey, I've been running to you online. I want to get to know you. Like, can we meet for virtual coffee? And that's the way that you can keep making those connections without necessarily having to pitch to make those connections. Mm -hmm. And then um, once you're sure that it's aligned, I would say make sure that you, the host knows that you've listened to the show and that you care about what they have to say um, and that you, know, you really honor their work. And I, I think these two points really make a good pitch. And then maybe the last one would be like, be as concise as possible. Because you want to you respect their time and you also want to get your point across without losing your message in a jumble of words. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I get pitches for my podcast and it's always nice when somebody has listened to the show, they understand kind of what I want to talk about. And so when I get a pitch that's like, that's totally not something that I would ever talk about on the show. It just goes into a folder that I'm just like, that's not going to work. Right. <laughs> you know, clearly they didn't listen. They were just trying to send emails to everybody that they could. So I think getting to know the person and the type of show that they have and making sure, you know, that they are accepting guests, that they even have guests. One of my friends mentioned she has a podcast that doesn't have guests and she still gets pitches for it. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? <laughs> yeah. So I love those points from my point of view. And when somebody can tell me kind of, this is why I think I can help your audience and maybe some ideas for what they can talk about. Like that really helps me because I'm not going to go into somebody's website and look at what they're good at to figure out what right. they want to talk about. I don't want to do that work for them. Exactly. And you shouldn't have to. I think that's definitely the art of pitching we all want to master is that we want to make sure that we do all of our work possible to make your job so much easier to make the yes so much easier mm -hmm. the less you have to think about like the easier it is for you to say yes or clear no my goal as a publicist is to always get a clear yes or a clear no and really have someone in the middle and when I, when I do that I feel like I've done my job <laughs> yeah so do you sort of set this up that you have a template that you follow and then you just go in with some personalization or do you write it from scratch every time I have, depending on the outlet, so with podcasts, I have a template that I like to use, and I change typically uh, the first paragraph and the different points that I'm pitching for the client. Um, so it tends to be just one template. Magazines, it's a different template entirely, and along with TV, different template entirely. Okay. But you kind of make it easier on yourself and your clients because you're not writing everything for fresh every time. Exactly. And the most, I mean, most of my time is spent listening to the show and getting to know the host. And so by the time I get to template, it's easy to write because I've already spent so much time in that research phase. Okay. So that's, that's really the part that we need to spend the time on. We need to get to know the show and we need to know ourselves well enough before we start this to know so, sort of whose audience do we want to target and what can we talk about? Right. Exactly. Because if you aren't sure what niche you're in or what your message is and you just start like kind of pitching blindly the influencers that like sound cool or would be cool to know you might get on a cool show and like have that cool clout but you won't convert yeah to your goal okay so once we send a pitch how can we follow up so that it's enough but we're not going overboard and overwhelming somebody right no one wants to be annoying <laughs> all the time so my rule is once I send a pitch, I have two chances to follow up. My first follow up, I'll do a one week later and I'll say, hey, I'm sure you've been busy or hey, I'm sure your inbox is full. Just wanted to see if you had a chance to consider my client for this thing. Uh, as a quick recap, she could discuss this. 
And just so you know, she was just featured on maybe XYZ podcast. You can check her out here. Um, and then if I don't hear back, I'll wait one more week and do a final follow-up or we'll actually say, just following up one final time to make sure that you saw this. If it's not a fit right now, no worries at all. Gratitude either way. And then I consider it a pass if I don't hear back. So you do those follow-ups. It sounds like you've got a pretty good plan where you're not leaving it for three months. Like, you know, to follow up, follow up, and then let it go. Because if you do more than that, it's probably going to get annoying. Yeah. And Asana really, the task manager in Asana is like my end all be all. And I'll make sure that uh, I have like the main task to pitch the host and then the subtasks are following up. And then, you know, I sometimes have a client who a week after I hear no, I'll be like, oh, actually, like she'd be great for this show. And I'll repitch. There, there are times where I'm like, mm, is it too soon to repitch? And I just have to kind of play it by ear based on how aligned I think the guest is to the show. Okay. So what happens if we hear a no after we pitch? Like somebody just says, no, it's not a good fit or I'm not taking interviews, whatever it is. But, you know, we hear back and we get a no. Right. So I would say that there are so many different types of no posts. Because <laughs> one, there's the, there's the no you hear where it's like, actually, we're not scheduling interviews until August. And then some people might say, okay, thanks. And I consider it a no. But I always say, ask them, okay, sounds great. Can I follow back up in August? Mm-hmm. And that way you, you keep the door open for that. Um, if you hear, I heard a no this morning from a podcast host that was like, actually, she isn't a fit, but do you have any guests in these areas? So that's a type of no too, where it's like, I like the way that you pitch and I want to see if you have other clients who line with these themes that I'm moving in toward as a host. Mm-hmm. And then there's a kind of no, which is like, no, it isn't a fit. It's not going to work. <laughs> and you really just say, okay, thank you. No problem. I appreciate consideration. You know, you can always say in a couple of months, if, if you really want the connection, in a couple of months, you might say, you know what? Hey, I pitched you a couple of months back. I know it wasn't a fit then, but I was wondering, I just want to get to know you, or I just want to hear what you're doing in business or make that connection. And that's a way that you can keep the connection going without necessarily having to be on the show. And you never know what's going to happen in the long term, because what you always want to do is put the relationship first and the, the feature or the placement or whatever second. Yeah. What happens if, if you get a yes? Do you have like something to help prepare your clients if they hear yes from oh my gosh. <laughs> So much happens if you get a yes. So <laughs> I uh, make sure I email the, like, my guest separately and I tell them what to do with the scheduling. I have a podcast press kit that I make for each client that I send to the host. So they have all of like, uh, they have sample interview questions. They have links to their opt-in freebies for their audience. Uh, they have professional bio, headshot, all of that jazz in one easy place. And then I make sure that the client gets a podcast one sheet, kind of like what you sent me with like, here's what to expect from the show. Yeah. Uh, and I give them like a rundown of what episodes I think they should listen to before they get on the show, the questions that the host usually asks, like fun facts about the host because they don't know them very well. So they can have a, a sense of like warmth when they arrive on the call. And then uh, past interviews that the host has done with maybe people that they know in their network. So I have this one sheet for them and they can review that a week before the episode or the, the recording. And then I also follow up with the host one week and then one day before to make sure that, that we're on and that we have all of the right details we need for logistical stuff so that the magic can actually happen. Okay. I love that you have your clients who are actually going to be a guest on the show also listen to episodes because they're, you know, you're doing the pitching for them, but that way they kind of get a feel for everything before they get on the call and they know what to expect and have heard it before too. 
Right, because I think more than just them getting on the show, I really want them to be able to have the best foundation to make a relationship with this person. Um, and I've had so many stories where after an interview, my client has come to me and said like, oh my gosh, Cher, Jen was amazing. She was so incredible. Oh my gosh, like Samantha was so much fun. Like now we're best friends. <laughs> and I, I love hearing those stories. So you do all of that, they get on the show. Do you do any kind of follow-up or have your clients do any kind of follow-up afterwards? to say thank you or to help promote things just so that you can continue that relationship? Yeah, so when it's me, um, I send a handwritten thank you card to each host who interviews one of my clients. And if they've interviewed more than one client, my next level thank you might be like a small gift. Uh, I have a habit of sending bath bombs to people. <laughs> I'm like super cheesy and I want to be like, you're the bomb, like thanks for having my client on. <laughs> Um, and, uh, so I kind of, you know, I play it, I definitely customize it by person, uh, based on like what level of relationship we're at, but I, I do have those like warm touches built in. And that's part of my, my admin process too, is that right when they book a guest, I ask them for the, their best mailing address. Mm -hmm. So it could kind of like be a surprise or like a nice surprise in the mail. Um, and then my guests, I, they can do whatever they'd like. I let them continue the relationship that way. And then I kind of, if I don't hear so some hosts will send like a your episode is live email. Yes. And those are great. But if I don't hear, I might just check in and see where they're at in the publishing process so that my, my guests can publicize their episode for them. So that's awesome. I love that you have this whole process for your clients that you have sort of worked through. You help them do all of this. Do you have any other tips for people who are you know, a lot of my audience, they're going to be pitching themselves. So do you have any other tips or things that they should know when they start this process? I would say always follow up. This is my number one rule. I can't tell you how many bookings I've landed from a first or second follow up that wouldn't have happened otherwise. So I would say you're never being annoying, like stick to the rule of two and make sure that when you follow up, you're respectful and you're understanding and you're not there's no judgment in the air about like, you didn't answer my email. Just like, do you not want me? It's never personal. Mm -hmm. um, so just make sure you follow up and that you stay organized with how you follow up so that you know that you've done it one time or two times. And I feel like you'll see a lot more success that way. So just a quick question. If somebody has like, you've pitched a show, you haven't heard back, but you didn't do that follow up right away on a consistent schedule. Do you need to kind of re-pitch or just sort of try to establish the relationship in a different way? Good question. I hate to say it depends, but I'll give you an example <laughs> to help you to help like it more tangible. Yeah. Um, let's say I pitch myself. I I have recently for Amanda Berlin's like pub publicity podcast and it was a submission form and I waited two weeks, which is longer than I usually do to follow up. And I sent her a, a email and she hasn't answered me yet. So what I think I'll do is in maybe a week, another two weeks. So for forms, I tend to wait a little longer to follow up because they do have a, a lot of people coming in. They have a, a bigger process. Mm -hmm. So I might change my angle from my initial pitch. That's one option that I have. Or I might just consider it a final pitch and, and make it a pass. I, I would say that there always is the potential to shift angles if you've shifted. But if you still feel like it's a fit and you just waited a little longer than typically appropriate for a follow-up, I would say stick with the original angle. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think even the big thing here is that even if you get a no, is you can still build a relationship with this person. And the idea should be you want to get to know them and support them 
And if you get on the show or get published later, that's great. But that's not, you know, that's not the goal of building a relationship with them. Right. Exactly. Okay. So I have some questions that I wrap up with every episode. And the first one is, can you give me an example of how serving your clients well has benefited your business? I thought about this for a while when I read it. And honestly, my clients are my best salespeople. They're my best referral network. An example of this is that I worked with, I don't know if you're familiar with her, Dr. Michelle Mazur. She's a speaking coach. Um, and she's incredible. And she was so much fun to pitch. And we actually I worked together for like my minimum three-month period. And then she ref- she's referred out to me probably three or four different clients, um, one of which I was able to subcontract for and work on like a huge client's book launch. So just serving my clients well and making sure that they feel like they're absolutely taken care of just benefits me because a lot of my business, I think all of the business is, wor- is word of mouth. It's just, I worked with her and she's great. And then they, they kind of do that PR for me of like someone else trusting you and recommending you. So I really feel like that's the primary way to benefit my business. Awesome. Can you tell me two things that you're loving right now that can be business or life or one of each? Hmm, let's see. I have been wanting to scale up for a while and hire a business coach, and I've been looking for probably a year and a half. And I finally decided to hire somebody who's with a business coach and who has been in the PR industry for about 15 years. Her name's Crosby Norks, and she runs the site PR Couture. Uh, and I just hired her, and I'm stoked about it because she's my, like, I think she's my very first business coach, and I'm like so ready to see what that does to my business and see what it does to my life. Because second cool thing, I'm looking to buy a house, which feels so very adult. (laughs) Um, And that's just, even though it's like a complicated process and, you know, being self-employed makes it really hard to go through all of those loops. um, I think it's it's pretty exciting to like make such a big purchasing decision and to feel like I'm at a place finally where I can do that without like going broke and like being homeless. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When we bought our house, like it's more of a process when you are self-employed, but it's so nice to be in a house that you own and to have done sort of that big adult thing. Right. I'm looking forward to like not paying rent for a thing that I'm not actually investing in. Yes. Okay. So what are you excited for that's coming up in the future? Hmm. So right now my business, like you said before, is primarily podcast pitching. And behind the scenes, I've been working on doing speaking gig pitching, magazine pitching, and TV pitching for clients. So within probably the next six months, once I have the systems down for that, and I feel like I could do it at a much more efficient, effective level, I'll be offering that to the public. So that's pretty cool. That is awesome. All right. So my last question is, where can people find you online? So the best place to hang out with me online is my website, and that's sharehale.com. That's C-H-E-R-H-A-L-E.com. And then on Instagram at three underscores what the hail, and hail is spelled H-A-L-E, like my last name. That is quite the, I have to do three underscores. Three underscores. Isn't that interesting? I know. I really wish I could like find the person who has just like the regular handle and be like, hey, just as a kindness, can I have him? But I haven't really worried about it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm excited for people to listen and to start doing this part of business, which can be pretty scary. But I think once we've got systems down and we kind of understand how we can add value to people and really share that, then this is a process that's definitely worth it. And it's a lot of fun when you can get featured and get to be interviewed by people. Well, thank you for having me. It was much fun. 
I loved this episode with Cher and how she just gave some great advice about pitching. I have both received pitches and made them as a podcast host, and so I love all of her advice. As you are getting ready to do this for your own business, I have three action steps for you. Number one, set a goal for pitching. Figure out what it is that you want to achieve and how many podcasts or features you'd like to have. Number two is make a wish list of shows or outlets that you want to be on. And then number three is to write a heartfelt pitch and follow up. Remember, Cher says that you can get so many more yeses if you make sure that you follow up consistently and in a really polite way. If you liked this episode, I would love it if you would leave us a review on iTunes or screenshot it and share it with me at Lemon in the Sea. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for listening to Process to Profitability. Please take a minute to leave an honest review in iTunes so that I can help more small business owners and creative entrepreneurs find the show.